Hello, care community, and welcome to our third episode of Between Two Presidents. I'm Rosa Bellarique, the 2021 CARE President. Thanks for logging in again. We are so excited to be providing you these series so that you can get to know us a little bit better, get to know our partners a little bit better, and other organizations that you might be involved uh, with or in. So welcome. Um, if you're listening to us audio only, um, you're missing out on a minor detail, which is that I have a virtual background uh, sitting in a suite at the resort at Squaw Creek, which is at our conference site this year. So this is what some of the hotels are. You can get a standard deluxe room or upgrade to the suite, um, which has a separate room, living room, and um, also a small kitchenette. So we got to see these in person in early 2020 before everything shut down. And we can't wait to revisit the site and see you. October is going to be a good time for this part of Lake Tahoe. Um, we don't anticipate very much snow on the ground, maybe some snow at the tippy top of the mountains, but otherwise um, we'll be providing more information on registration and how to get to the hotel. So without further ado, I want to introduce our next guest, president of the RP group, Dr. Eric Cooper. Uh, he's on the show today. Uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. So let me get my notes. He is the Dean of Planning, Research, and Resource Development at Sierra College and is the president of the California Community College Research and Planning Group, the RP Group, the RP Nation. Eric has worked in institutional research and institutional effectiveness for the past 12 years at Sierra College and Yuba College in Northern California. He also teaches educational research at California State University, Sacramento. In 2014, Eric won multiple awards for his dissertation, congratulations, Eric, efficacy of the California Basic Skills Initiative. His continuing work focuses on developing programs and institutions that promote student success. Eric holds a doctorate in education leadership from Cal State University, Sacramento, and a master's degree in psychology from the University of Oregon. So, so happy to have you on, Eric. Um, stay tuned to um, hear a little bit more about him and the RP group. Bye-bye. Yes, please. Hi, everyone. We are back with uh, Dr. Eric Cooper, president of the California Community College Research and Planning Group, the RP Group. We're so glad to have him uh, on the show today. So, Without further ado, Eric, how are you? How are things? And um, what's new in your world before we get the official interview questions going? Well, I'm doing doing well enough, you know, staying out of the heat. Uh, just got back from an Oregon vacation. So it's nice to, I kind of miss the Oregon coast, honestly, but it's nice to be back home, sleeping in my own bed, those sorts of things. So that's that's all, all to the good. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? You know, not too bad. Um, transitioning into summer, I don't know if this is the case for you, but at our IR office over at the New York Film Academy, um, summer is usually lower. Uh, I just have a, a lower intake of requests. All major reporting deadlines are kind of away. So it is kind of a time that I like to work on projects and less so around other, you know, deadlines. Is that the case for you? It, it used to be the case for us. Um... I'd say about two years ago that that really shifted for us that now it's still kind of project work, but whereas it was, you know, the office, we're going to update our dashboards, we're going to get things ready, kind of teed up in terms of planning metrics for the fall. 
we have a lot more work groups going in the summer than we used to, um, particularly as it relates to guided pathways work, uh, particularly as it relates to student equity. So, you know, where's the past we had, okay, it's project time and vacation time, all those sorts of things. Now it's like, oh, we're just gonna keep on going. Um, so we get like a two week window where grades are due and when they're, you know, and when things get processed and that's about, about the extent of our slow time now. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot from colleagues all across California who work in IR that they used to have kind of this um, slow time and now now they have no idea where it's gone, but maybe it's just um, this year or the last year, but we'll see what this new pattern brings us. Um, I'm, I'm not making any bets about patterns. Oh gosh, I know, right. We're supposed to be the researchers. Any patterns here? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, the first thing I think a lot of what the care community would love to know is what exactly is the RP group? And if we're not specifically in a California community college, are there ways for us to engage with the RP group? Sure. Uh, RP group is two things. Um, it is a fee-for-service research organization and professional development organ organization. So that's kind of a big ticket and frankly, a lot of uh, how a lot of folks know who we are. Uh, we do a variety of research projects, mostly focused on the community colleges, but certainly a lot of transfer work. Um, a couple of our, our larger, more recent studies uh, was a through the gate transfer study that looked at for community college students that had completed uh, 60 units. So basically they should be moving on to a, a four year school. Why hadn't they? You know what were the barriers uh, to to transfer, and that's that's a worthwhile read, particularly for CSU UC folks. Uh, also, some of the the um, private colleges as well. Just why are students not maybe making that next jump? Um, a little bit more recently, uh, we had sort of an interesting finding out of that that led to the African American student student tipping point study. Kind of a long title, uh, but one of the interesting things that we found in in the through the gate study was that. Um, if African-American students, which we historically think of as being, you know, really impacted, if they get to a certain threshold of units, all of a sudden they become much more likely to transfer um, and actually ended up being our largest transfer students if they get to sort of that certain threshold. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes, well, how do we get them to that threshold so that they suddenly go from being a very impacted group to uh, a highly successful group? So we're, we're still kind of working through that right now. Um, Darla Cooper, our executive director, Alyssa Nguyen, um, our director of research are, are kind of working through that project right now. That's just the research side and then professional development, a couple of conferences, much like the CARE conference. We have the uh, RP conference in the spring in April. Uh, we do a summer institute, um, usually every year, excuse me, every other year, um, that summer institute is designed for new researchers although we have started doing it more regularly, um, sort of not just focused on new researchers, but sort of focused on special topics, for example, uh, best practices in uh, student equity research, you know, those sorts of things. And then in the fall, uh, October, so just a couple of weeks before your, your wonderful conference in Lake Tahoe this coming year, uh, will be our Strengthening Student Success Conference. That one this year is going to be virtually for us. We are looking forward to 20. 22 being back in person. That's half of it. Sorry, long-winded. The other half uh, of the RP group is we are also uh, the representative body for institutional researchers, planners, institutional effectiveness folks within the California community colleges. 
So where there are statewide committees, uh, we are usually the ones who are asked to make appointments, uh, try to coordinate if there are, you know, kind of big picture issues that are coming down the pike that are going to affect, um, you know, inst institutional research folks at the California Community Colleges. We typically get asked to weigh in and, and provide representation in, in those sorts of situations. So kind of our two, two missions. Wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about how the RP group is organizationally structured? I know that folks who are familiar with CARE, we are a completely volunteer board of about a dozen and volunteers. Um, and so how is the RP group set up? And that is, yeah, we are a little bit weird in that respect or, or different in that respect. Um, a long time ago, the RP group was very much like CARE. It was entirely volunteer. Uh, even the research arm, it was done basically people doing, you know, side gigs and things to try to do that research. Over the years, we've added professional staff. Um, and now we have uh, about 14 full-time employees, um, a couple of other folks who sort of do part-time work for us as well, um, consultants specifically for research. So those are the folks who really are in charge of our research arm, our fee-for-service, our professional development. We have a board of about 17 folks, so pretty big board, but we try to be representative of the colleges in the state as well as you know, our sort of executive team as well. Um, and we, we as a board set obviously policy, help do the representation part. Um, our board helps direct the uh, professional development opportunities. So we've got a conference committee, we've got a strengthening student success committee, we've got a summer institute committee and try to collaborate with our full-time staff um, who you know, do a lot of the logistics, but a lot of the brainstorming topics, those sorts of things are done by the board. Wow. So a little bit, little bit of a different, uh, different model than, than some other folks. Um, then occasionally, occasionally also causes some confusion because people are like, oh, you did that research. Well, yes, we kind of did. That was, that was our okay. staff that did that. And then we're doing the representation part. Sometimes it gets us a little crossed up, but mm -hmm. most of the time also gives us some really nice synergy um, for what we can do. Beautiful. Um, does, does the RP group provide any research that, that is used at the state level for advocating on behalf of certain Senate bills or legislation in general? Um, not as much. We don't do as much with uh, sort of public policy research. Mm -hmm. That's an area that we've been asked to weigh in on things occasionally. There are folks that we partner uh, with at WestEd and, and other organizations um, who often do that advocacy. Occasionally we're, we're put in in that regard. Uh, probably the area where we've had the biggest influence sort of in statewide policy um, would be as it regards to uh, AB 705. Mm -hmm. um, for the CSU folks, it'd be sort of similar to, I think it's Executive Order 1100, 1101, something like that that changed the placement process uh, for California community colleges. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of research that was done by uh, the team, one of, one of our project teams, the MMAP, uh, Multiple Measures Assessment Project, uh, that was used kind of extensively to say, we need to change our placement practices. I mean, not to say they weren't looking at other states, Tennessee, Florida, some others, but locally within California, um, that got relied on fairly heavily. And that's probably the example where we've had the most impact on, on public um, public policy. Wonderful. I, I bring that point up specifically because the theme of our conference this year is using data for advocacy. And 
in some cases, institutions like mine, um, smaller private and also for-profit institution, um, don't very, you know, we don't get involved very much in that. And care hasn't, and that's not a part of care. It's actually part of our bylaws that we not get involved with any legal um, or state-related legislation and public policy. So I was wondering if that might be something y'all are working towards. So we are, it's actually been kind of an interesting discussion amongst our board uh, in in the recent past five, 10 years, we've really tried to stay away from that role. Um, I think, you know, leadership on the board really kind of reveled in that um, ability to stay neutral, right? We're gonna present facts and only facts and people can make their own decisions. And uh, we've really started leaning away from that in, in that we still wanna present facts, right? This is what's going on. This is what, what, what we see in the data. But by the way, we also see from the research in the field or from these other things, these are practices that seem to make a difference. And so we are starting to lean more towards that advocacy piece. Um, but again, maybe not at that, that sort of statewide level yet. Wonderful. Well, I do encourage anyone watching this to, if you're doing this work, please let us know because it is a big part of our conference. We also would love to see a proposal if you're doing one. Um, because we're also learning as we're doing a lot of this work. Um, so I guess this last year, Eric, as you can imagine, has just been flipped all of us upside down. So have there been any major changes in the last year that the RP group um, had to make? And are they lasting changes or were they temporary changes? Um, for the most, well, at this point, we've mostly made temporary changes where we've had the biggest sort of hit in, in practice really has been uh, with our use of consultants. Um, because we've had to, I won't say shutter research process, projects, but sort of slow them down or minimize them. Um, there's a project that we do called Leading from the Middle. I shouldn't say project, professional development that we do for the, for the community colleges. It's called Leading from the Middle, where we bring folks in um, as a team from their college and help guide them through sort of a focused approach of addressing a particular problem. And... <clears throat> We had kind of big plans for that this this last year, 2020, um, and obviously a lot of that depended on people being able to meet and work with facilitators. And we and we kind of kept going on a lighter way um, in a virtual environment, but really had to kind of slow that down quite a bit. Um, and we're kind of looking forward to maybe 2022 getting back to a more full scale implementation. But you know things like that where we had big plans and then kind of had to had to minimize them a little bit, like so many, so many other folks. Mm. Did, um, did the RP group also change the structure of the way it, it reaches out to its constituents, to, to the organ, to different community colleges? Yeah, we actually, thank you for bringing that up. I, think I don't know, I was sort of focused 2020 about pandemic, but that is another thing that we did in 2020. Um, historically, our organization was a little bit more of a, a Senate model, if you will where we had four representatives from Northern California, four representatives from Southern California on our board, and then our executive team. And, and that was you know, kind of how we, we operated. Um, after getting a lot of feedback and doing a listening tour uh, at various colleges and uh, sort of regional research groups, um, we really came to a pretty quick conclusion that that wasn't working for us as representative. Uh, as a representative body. Um, so we divided up the state, got some work, uh, folks together, kind of looked at how many representatives we could have on the board. 
uh, what seemed to be a good number of colleges that they could represent and ended up going to more of a house model where each member of the board is responsible to a particular set of colleges. Um, really trying to make sure we've got more two-way communication between the board and the field. Um, we're only a year in on that, so I think it's gone okay. Um, mostly the feedback on that's been positive, but we've, like all good researchers, we have an evaluation plan. Mm -hmm. And in a couple of weeks, I'm not sure when folks are watching this YouTube video, but a couple of weeks from today, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be launching that and trying to get feedback from, from our various colleges that, you know, hey, how is it working? Are you getting the information you need? Do you feel like you're, you're connected with your representative? Um, those sorts of things. So Wonderful. continuous quality improvement. Yes, that's all we can ask for. And something that I might take to our care board. That's why I love these interviews because I'm always like, I'm going to take this back to the board to see if we can find a way to be most representative of our, our um, I guess, the state of California. Um, so I guess I'm interested now in like what's next for you. So when does your term end? And for us, like once my term ends at the end of the calendar year, I become the immediate past president and I serve another year. Uh, where I can assist in different ways. Is that the case for the RP group? Um, it's similar. Our, our presidents are kind of locked in for four years. Um, I know you all do vice president, president, past president. Um, we have two vice presidents that have specific jobs. One is focused on board development. One is focused on professional development. We have uh, a incoming president, president-elect, which right now is Pam Mary from City College of San Francisco. So if you know Pam, say hi to her. Um, so she'll have, she'll do one year as, as president-elect and then two years as president and then one year as past president. So we have a, a two-year overlap uh, with our presidencies, which is is nice, but I'll have, that means I'll have four years kind of on our executive team. And it, it does feel like a long commitment at times, not going to uh, sugarcoat that too much. Um, by the time my term is up um, as past president, it will have been on the board for a decade, all told. So have been trying to trying to do stuff now for a little while. So after that's done, I have no idea what my plans are. Probably going on a really long vacation. I know, right? See you at the lake. Um, exactly. Well, so I had... Um, Dr. Heather Kelly on here, she's the president of um, AIR, and she said that in her past president role, she's responsible for, for recruiting for the board. So she's like, so if you're looking for anyone, I, I, I'm not sure you want to go and get yourself into another commitment, but um, so are there any specific um, roles that you're responsible for as past president or work? Uh, fortunately, I think as past president, I get our audit committee. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, is that again, a financial a, audit or other audits? Yeah, financial audit. So as a as a nonprofit, right? So we have um, yeah. and a research organization, right? We actually have a fairly large budget in terms of you know outlay and income and all that. So we do have a fair amount of responsibility in terms of like our finance committee and our audit committee and, and those sorts of things. So um, but yeah, as past president, I get to chair the audit committee. Ooh, we'll be looking out for you on the yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, always, always helping, uh, always responsible for trying to get new folks on the board, um, particularly again with our, our new representative model. Um, there are parts of the state where we've had, you know, difficulty recruiting people in, and in part, the community colleges were pretty spread out. 
Um, if you look at uh, some of the schools, like in the Central Valley, Modesto Junior College, um, you know, it may be 70 miles or more till the next closest college. So they don't necessarily have great relationships between those colleges because there's not really a lot of opportunity to get together or collaborate. You know, far north is kind of the same thing. If you look at uh, Lassen College, which is in Susanville, um, you know, the nearest California Community College is going to be two and a half, three hours away by road, um, even though it might only be 70 miles, you know, as the crow flies. Um, but just it, we end up being very spread out. And so for some regions, it's it's difficult to get representatives who, who feel that they can represent their areas. Yeah, so we're, we're working on that. I could sense that. Well, fun fact, I went to Modesto Junior College for at least a semester while I was in high school. So um, I do know some folks there originally from that area. Okay, well, I'm going to take this point in time to kind of transition into our more more about you, Eric, as a person, um, because, you know, we, we didn't want it to be all business. So right. um, what types of things um, have you taken up in the last year specifically? You know, you've heard the craze of folks making bread, taking on new hobbies. Was there anything that, um, that you took on that was new or different or fun? Interesting. Well, before I answer that, I, I do want to say that I did take up the bread craze a couple of years ago. And like walked through the neighborhood with my sourdough starter trying to get, you know, all the stuff going around. So, you know, I, I walked my yeast. Um, but for, for the pandemic specifically, like the last year and a half or so, uh, knitting. I, I tried taking up knitting, uh, particularly, um, you know, those first couple of weeks when we shut down. I mean, people were not asking research questions, right? They were like, we need to get all the faculty trained. We need to get them online. We need to make sure our students are learning. We need to find out who needs a laptop. So yeah, we did some surveys, but we weren't like answering a lot of those big picture questions. So at the time I figured, you know what? I'm gonna have to be kind of checking email and stuff. I'll be sitting down. I might as well learn how to knit. Might as well. Might as well. Um, that lasted about two weeks. I can start, I can go for a ways. I can make a skirt, a, a scarf, but I never learned how to like turn a heel or any of that jazz. So I tried. Yeah, is that a technical term, turn, turn a heel? I. I'm not too certain. Of Apparently, because you have to, you you know, you've got like a tube and then you've got to you know, put a kink in the tube. So I it's, know. it's. <laughs> I will say it's a lost art and it was something that my, my grandmother did quite a bit. And I think she tried to teach me a few times before she passed and it just, I couldn't quite get it. So I commend you for that. Very impressive. So in October, everyone will be walking away with one free, um, maybe like a pot holder. A knitted pot holder made. Uh, I think it'll be like one, you know, like six foot long scarf that they can all kind of share, but it's. Right. So if you're there at the conference, um, yeah. you, you'll, it's a raffle to win one of Eric's um, scarves. That'd actually be fun. I would love to have one of your scarves as a, well, as a type of um, a raffle prize. Uh, well, we will see. Yeah. <laughs> um, wonderful. Uh, so Let's see. One of the other questions I have here is, did you um, get into any type of reading, TV watching, uh, streaming? What are you watching these days? You know, we're, I come from a film school, so we talk a lot about what we're watching. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd ask you if you're reading or watching anything worth, worth sharing. 
Uh, have been reading a ton of different things, um, kind of a variety of, of different books for fun and, and uh, not so much fun. Um, you know, just keeping things maybe a little bit light. I uh, really, really liked the book Humble Pie, hmm. which for researchers, I think is actually a kind of maybe kind of a fun read, uh, particularly folks who are really quantitative, hmm. because the author spends a lot of time looking at ways people misused math. And so examples being, you know, companies that gave specifications for a project in the metric system and then the engineers who uh, then built it, or company that built it, converted all those metric units to standard units. But because they made those conversions, now the tolerance is off. So things didn't fit together right. Um, or, you know, why did, why did the old version of Excel, you know, have a limit to the number of rows that it used to have, 80 some odd thousand or whatever it was, um, you know, and it kind of talks through like, well, why that was a real thing because there are limits within binary and, you know, and how much memory computers can solve. So really interesting read. Uh, it doesn't sound like it the way I may be describing it, but, but there you go. Um, also uh, really enjoyed um, Every Tool's a Hammer by Adam Savage. So if you uh, ever watched the Mythbusters, uh, you know, when that was on a TV show or when that was on the air, uh, really interesting book about sort of his journey in the creative process. And I, I really enjoyed that as well. Um, as far as, as television, I've got four kids. Um, so a lot of television in my house is related to uh, their interests. Yeah. Their interests. So <clears throat> um, if you're a kid from like the 90s and ever watched like the DuckTales from like that era, mm -hmm. I will say that the new DuckTales is a little bit more fun. Um, so if you've got Disney Plus, uh, we only subscribed to Disney Plus originally because we wanted to watch Hamilton. Um, but um, we ended up keeping it a little while longer. Kids usually win that one out. Is Paw Patrol something that's watched in your home, or is that? Uh, not now. It was a, it was a little while ago. Um, Paw Patrol, PJ Masks, yep. stuff like that. That's um, what all my nephews and nieces are watching. So I, th I thought I'd say I'd ask to see if it made the cut. Yeah, a little little behind at this point. They're getting into more of the, especially the older two, getting more into like teenage drama kind of stuff. Yeah, so. yep. <clears throat> comes with age. Yeah. Um, well, for those who are um, not from California, which I'm not sure very many people who are watching this are, not, I think most will be from or are from California. Uh, California reopened for us within the month of June, which is when we are recording this. Um, is there anything that you're looking forward to most now that California is fully open, I guess is, is how they're referring to it? Um, you know, I, I want to say travel, but honestly, I just went up to Oregon, which was great um, and got back but probably just getting back together with friends more often mm. uh, now that more more folks that we know are vaccinated as kids start to get vaccinated as well uh, frankly having that that barbecue where we've got not just like our you know people who are in our bubble but you know people we haven't seen much of in the last last year or two um, letting kids go to to birthday parties um, maybe just maybe we'll go to um, Sunsplash and ride some water slides at the end of the summer because that used to be one of the ways that we'd close out the summer right we'd go as a family one night 
for one day, spend the day at the water park. Mm. Didn't do that last year. Haven't really looked into it, but that sounds like a lot of fun right now. So fun. I wish I could go. (laughs) Yeah. Looking at those kind of things. Um, Wonderful. I hope they come sooner rather than later. Thank you. I know that for me, like the, the events, like how many, there were quite a bit of weddings that were postponed in my circles or um, showers, people having late bachelor and bachelorette gatherings, just like all these things that are, I miss the big events that I get to mm-hmm. see the closest people to me. So I do feel that. Um, all right. So as we're kind of wrapping up, I think we just have one or two more questions. Um, is there anything or something that people get wrong about you often and it makes it back to you? I actually took this question from um, Brene Brown's podcast, a social science researcher. Um, I think it's an interesting one. Hmm. Um, I guess the, the one thing that, um, so my, my wife was actually the first, first, first person who ever pointed this out to me. Um, and it, it really surprised me mm. um, that I intimidate people, or well, I should say, people are intimidated by me. Mm. Um, and I've never really understood that uh, genuinely. So that's something that I, I just, I never try to go out of my way to intimidate people, but apparently it happens. So I'm not sure if that's on me or, or them or maybe a little bit of both, but that's something that's always surprised me. I've heard that from other folks as, as well. Um, hmm. I don't see it. Interesting but, one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anytime you, you have a, a position to have power, I think it adds a level of intimidation. Well, but your wife knows you as a more personal capacity. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it was one of her friends that told her that. It's like, he's so intimidating. It's like, mm, do you keep a serious face a lot or are you a Mr. Uh, I wouldn't say serious so much as I do have a very dry sense of humor. So um, I will say things in absolute deadpan, like I am so 100% serious. And the answer is I am absolutely not serious in any sort of way. That's the best. Right. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the reason why we called this show Between Two Presidents is because of the satirical show um, Between, Between Two Ferns. Ferns. And I just, mm-hmm. that's my sense of humor. Like, just serious, uh, you know, hilarious questions asked seriously. That's just my jam. So I, I've watched a few. My favorite one was with President Obama. I thought that was yeah. just. <laughs> that was, that was, that was crazy. Um, it was art. It was, and right to have the president of the United States on and have it be that hilarious. And President Obama was so good. Like, yeah, he really came through. And the one with um, Hillary Clinton was also really did good. Not, did not watch one, the one with Hillary Clinton, but I would suggest it if you have the time. Okay. I know times are crazy, but um, it was very good. Well, that takes me kind of. Um, to, to the last question, kind of something that's reflective and something to kind of end our conversation. Um, what do you think, or what are you most excited for, or what do you see in the, in the future of institutional research, like in the next, you know, five to 10 years, what's going to be something that we should all be either you're looking forward to, or that maybe we need to keep on our radar, given the research, maybe you've looked at the work you're doing, the position you hold, what are your thoughts? No pressure. No, that's a, that is a good question though. It's like, I almost wish that was like kind of the lead off question. <clears throat> this came to me too. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I think what's kind of really interesting to me, um, potentially on the future, my apologies for that small interruption there, uh, is really how are colleges going to use uh, machine learning, predictive analytics, those sorts of things to ethically um, better predict student success and, and get interventions in student success. Um, I'm sure most folks who are listening to this podcast, especially if, they, if they've gotten this deep into this, um, are, are probably familiar with the book Weapons of Math Destruction, you know, which really kind of looks at the toxic use of predictive analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, but the author does spend a lot of time talking about how they can be useful as a tool. And I think one of the things that we, you know, can do better with is just how do we get that information, get it into the hands of people who can actually do the intervention. So college counselors, academic advisors, if that's what you, you use, uh, admissions folks, financial aid folks, um, so that we can do a little bit better outreach to students who, um, who are in danger of, com- of not completing or, or not matriculating or not persisting or whatever thing you want to, to say there. Um, and actually make a difference to, to the students. Um, I don't know about, uh, about your institution, but one of the things that was, <clears throat> I think, shocking for a lot of folks in, in community colleges is actually uh, how many students don't complete any units, even though they have matriculated, registered for class, et cetera. You know, we, we actually make it really easy for students to, to leave community colleges, right? You can withdraw from a class and nobody's going to stop you. You know, stop coming. Nobody's going to reach out. It, you know, maybe if your instructor's paying attention and, and taking role every day, they're going to notice, hey, you're, I'm, I'm missing, I'm missing Rosa. She's not here today. I need to, need to call her. Um, but if we can do some of those interventions uh, up front, if we can get students connected to financial aid, if we can get them connected to mentoring programs, um, very early, we may be able to get more students through. I'm sorry, actually, I never finished this, that thing, but how many, again, about 20% of California Community College students don't complete any units. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a big number. Uh, people will hate me for saying this, but uh, Google uh, student success metrics, California Community Colleges, and then kind of scroll down and you can, you can see how many students. And if you look at how those metrics are constructed, which of course, if you're a researcher, you're concerned about methodology. Um, you know, look at how they're constructed. Those are even students who had to be registered for a class. So they got to the point of registration. Um, and for us, it's registration and enrollment at census. So students who maybe met with a counselor or went through, um, you know, advising and then dropped all their classes before the start of the semester, they're not even included in any of those numbers. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that, that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to though overall is just how can we use predictive analytics uh, machine learning, et cetera, to better get outreach to the students who need it. Um, you know, going beyond going beyond just simply saying, oh, you know, it's our historically underrepresented students that need help. Yeah, it is, but it's not all of them. Um, it's recognizing that the African-American male student who's an athlete and in calculus probably needs less help than our native female who has a child, right? And so it's getting people connected with the right resources at the right time. Um, you know, we can, we can do a little bit more of that, I think, with, uh, with better tools. Mm. 
great answer. Couldn't have answered that better. So that's one of, I, I see that for the field as well. And I, I like that you brought up the, the ethical part of it because that, that will be important. You know, how do we learn enough about someone to support them and hold the ethics of it all? So I will turn it around and ask if you have any announcements you'd like to make, if you have any questions or have anything else to say um, to the care community. Oh, well, uh, certainly looking forward to seeing the next care conference. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've been able to attend. Obviously, it's been at least two years since anybody's been able to attend, but uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, for our colleagues at the UC, CSU, private schools, you know, reach out to your local community colleges, uh, get to know your researchers there. Um, our students will be your students and vice versa. So the more that we can, we can connect, um, you know, the more we can, we can do good work. So care is definitely a good medium for that since it covers all of the, the layers of IR and IE at the, uh, in California. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. And I think I'll ask for some resources from you if they're available in public to share when we send out this video. So if you have the through the gate study or any other research that is available to share, we'll go ahead and link to that so that if folks want to know more about the research, they can. Absolutely. And our, our the RP group website is chock full of all of our public research. We, of course, do things for some groups where it's, you know, stays confidential, but sure. um, happy to at least talk about those those couple of studies and get them linked on this would be fantastic. Wonderful. And if folks want to know more about the RP group, where can they find you? Uh, for me specifically, they can actually reach me at Sierra College, which I, I don't think we actually said. I'm the Dean of Planning Research Resource Development at Sierra College, uh, ecooper1 at sierracollege.edu. Um, but if you've got questions about the RP group, uh, are interested in working with us, working for us, hiring us, um, info at rpgroup.org is a good place to get hold of the organization as a whole. That's right. And there is um, an intro that um, I recorded separately. So We'll have a little bit more about you um, and the RP Group's website. Can you share that as well? We'll link it. Yeah, rpgroup.org, and uh, we'll we'll make sure we get that out for you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Eric, for joining us on Between Two Presidents. It's been such an honor to get to know you and to um, foster the relationship that we have together um, with our organization. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rosa. Appreciate the time.